and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about Season 3, Episode 11, Gingerbread. This is going to be a ride. Buckle in, folks. It's going to be a ride. Um, I don't really have any announcements. All I will say is that when we are recording this, the new Queerest Folk has dropped and they make a couple good references to Buffy. That's exciting. So, yeah, so if you like this, if you like the show, or you like those kind of shows, I don't know if people have actually seen the original at this point. <laughs> um, we keep assuming that our audience is like twelve year olds. <laughs> we do. I mean, but also it was on Showtime. It was the I like. I do not know how many people watched. Yeah, because the original original was British, and then we did one in the early two thousands, and now they're bringing it back. It's on Peacock, set in New Orleans. It's great. I am about three episodes in. I love it. They reference Buffy. It's fantastic. So yeah. Check it out. Um, other than that, I am just going to uh, disclaimer this a bit. Mm-hmm. First off, this is probably going to be a long episode. So like Froggy said, buckle in. I went full English major on this because um, you all know I was an English major. What you yeah. might not have known is my concentration was folklore and mythology. Yeah. And this with this episode, I mean, no matter the time period that it comes out, this is a timely episode. This is one of those episodes that resonates no matter when you're watching it. There's always something that this is going to be appropriate for. Yes. And to piggyback on that, um, I don't know if I normally would have disclaimered this episode, but given recent events and (laughs) really the past few years, um, I'm going to go ahead and disclaimer this. Um, The inciting event of this whole episode is supposed to be the murder of two children. So if that bothers you, if you know, you've had enough of mob mentality after the past couple of years, which is the the huge basis for this plot, uh, you may want to skip this one and join us next week when we talk about how old white men ruin everything. Yeah, next week's not going to be any better. It's not going to be any better, but it's going to be more like, we hate old white men. Yeah, and, yeah. And less like, let's talk about fear-mongering and mass hysteria. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if this is just not something you want to deal with right now, we get it. We understand. We love you. And we will see you then. Yes, we appreciate you. We don't want you to hurt yourselves just to listen to our inane ramblings. But for those of you continuing on with us, let's start breaking this down. Gingerbread. It aired January 12th, 1999. And our synopsis is Joyce's crusade to find a kid killer puts Buffy, Willow, and Amy on the hot seat at the town's witch burning spree. (laughs) I think some of their prepositions were not right there, but that's okay. That's what that was written as. That was, uh, yeah, that wasn't a bad one. That wasn't a bad one. That wasn't a bad one. No, no. But all right, Froggy, what are our international titles? All right. So this week we have, in Armenian, we have Cake House. Czech is Gingerbread House. Finnish, Sunnydale Witches. I like that. French is just Intolerance. German, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. Italian, The Witches of Sunnydale. Polish, Follow the Thread to the Ball. What? I I don't know. What? I, I don't know. I don't know how they got there. I mean, I know it might 
be fairy tale, but it still doesn't work for this episode. Uh, in Russian, we have Gingerbread House, and in Spanish, Hansel and Gretel. I think I like The Witches of Sunnydale. The Witches of Sunnydale is good. Yeah, Sunnydale Witches was good, but then when you get to The Witches of Sunnydale. Yeah, and it, it takes us back to that whole like 80s vibe we're going to be talking about in a little bit with yeah. The Witches of Eastwick. Yeah, and it ha- it like yeah, it just has that really that really good feel to it. It it sounds like it could be an actual title that they would use for the series. Yeah. So, we start out the episode with Buffy on patrol. She hears a noise in a nearby bush and pulls out a stake to investigate when her mother appears with <laughs> snacks. <laughs> Apparently, Joyce thought it was about time she come out and see the whole slaying thing for herself. No, Joyce. No. Buffy tells her that slaying, it's kind of a solo activity. Yeah, but it's such a big part of her life. And Buffy hears the noise again and gives her mother the quiet sign just as a vampire leaps out of the bushes. A vampire that Joyce tells us is Mr. Sanderson. From the bank! (laughs) Buffy springs into action and Joyce cheers her on, occasionally attempting to be helpful with a, he's over here! (laughs) As he begins to run off, with which Joyce also helpfully points out, Buffy takes chase, but not before telling her mother to stay. Joyce does not stay. No. And instead wanders the area, coming across a playground. Deserted playgrounds are creepy as is, but this one is about to take the cake. Yeah, and you know what? Also... In Sunnydale, nothing good ever happens at a playground after dark. Oh no. Joy sets the things she brought down on the bench and wanders towards an abandoned toy that caught her attention. A truck, dirty and wet and lying in the gutter. As she picks it up, something else catches her attention. Buffy stakes Mr. Sanderson and goes to rejoin her mom, who has discovered two dead children. A boy and a girl. Some sort of mystical symbol drawn on their hands. Credits. Still awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. We return from the credits to the playground. Either Buffy or her mom have called the cops because the playground is now crawling with them, getting statements, marking off the scene, taking photos. Horrificness of this whole thing aside, the black and white flashes of the photos are, they're gorgeous. They add add to the whole feeling of the scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this this whole episode is so well shot and composed. Like, it is... It, it really, and, and it really feels like, it feels like an episode of Law and Order. It does. You know, and I remember when this episode first came out, how horrifying it was. Oh, yes. Because you, you like, of, of course you find out later, you know, what the kids are. But yeah, this was, this was, you're as shocked as Joyce is on this. And since we were talking about Queer as Folk, this is where I've always said that Joyce reminds me of Debbie. Yes. Yes. Where she is trying so hard to understand what Buffy is doing and being a little too over-supportive. Yes. In the process. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) over-supportive. Yes. Yes. Through all of this, Joyce stands. Her eyes never leave the children and the look on her face. As a mother, this struck mm. a chord in her, especially mm-hmm. as her daughter is engaged in a calling that might one day cause her not to come home. Buffy finishes talking to one of the officers and approaches her mother. They can go home now. Joyce says they were so tiny, just kids. Did Buffy see them? She saw them. Joyce doesn't understand how anyone could do such a thing. She just, Buffy tells her she's sorry she had to see that, but it's going to be okay. How? How will it ever be okay? Because Buffy's going to find and kill whatever did that. Right, but Joyce says it won't do anything. 
It won't make it okay. Nothing will make it okay. She knows. Hugging her mother, Buffy does her best to comfort her. She'll do whatever she can to make this okay, but she needs her mom to just try and calm down. We get another fantastic transition Mm -hmm. as we go to the library and Buffy talking to Giles. Don't tell her to calm down. (laughs) They were kids. Little kids. He has no idea what it was like to see them there and her mother can't even talk. Giles apologizes. He really is only trying to help. Buffy knows. As she and Giles move towards the table, he asks if they know how the children died. Was it a vampire? No. There were no marks. Or rather, there were no bite marks. There was a mark. Grabbing a piece of paper, Buffy draws the symbol she saw on their hands. Well, first she tries to draw on a piece of 12th century parchment. Yeah. (laughs) But Giles puts a stop to that and gives her a pad. (laughs) As she draws, she tells Giles that the cops are keeping the whole thing quiet, but she got a good look at it. She slides the symbol, a triangle with a mustache-like squiggly line. Yeah. Going across the center to Giles. Find the thing that uses that symbol and point her at it. Frowning, Giles stares at it. Quiet. Buffy knows he has a thought, though, and so tells him to speak. He's not sure it's a thing they're looking for. A marking such as this, on a victim, it speaks of a ritual, a human sacrifice of sorts. Perhaps by a cult or some other group. A group. Of people. Human. Something with a soul did this? He's afraid so. Great. So then why he's looking for the meaning behind that symbol thingy, can he also find the loophole in the whole slayers don't kill humans rule? Giles tells her this is a horrific crime and that she has every right to be upset by it. But he can't help but wonder if she's making it a tad personal because of her mother's involvement. Buffy tells him that it's completely personal. Find her the people that did this. Please. Okay, do you know how hard it was to not add like a three-page tangent on human sacrifice? (laughs) It was hard. It was hard, but I have other tangents slash deep dives coming. Mary Mary had a lot of difficulty with this one. I got a few messages from... (laughs) I did. So um, just know that 99% of religions have outlawed and condemned the practice, but that it does occasionally still happen in certain parts of the world, with the latest known case being in 2020. Okay. Anyway, the cafeteria. That was that was very nice and succinct, Mary. I'm very Thank proud you. of you. <laughs> That's because my succinctness ends there. <laughs> <laughs> Oz and Xander go down the line together, Xander awkwardly trying to make conversation. Oh, he is just... He's... Bless him. Bless him for how hard he is trying and oh, and bless Oz for just letting him go. He points out that Oz has chosen a burrito. I personally find this hilarious because 1999 is also the year Idle Hands came out. Yes. It's a horror comedy in which Seth plays a zombie who's also a stoner. And in one of the scenes, he sings a little burrito song. I... Yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah, it's not a cinematic treasure, but I love it. It's a treasure. Okay, fair. It is a it's cinematic a treasure. treasure. I mean, it is a cinematic you treasure. have, you have, you know, you have him, you have Devin Sawa in it. Yeah, it's, it's a treasure. Not a cinematic one, but it's definitely a treasure. And that also explains why his hair is the way it is at some points, because he was filming yeah. Idol Hands. Yeah, because that came out in April, and this is so he had he had finished he had probably filmed that over the yeah. break between yeah. that season and this one. Yeah, I think that's why his hair was black at that point. Like when he was he had black hair. Yeah, earlier was when he was filming Idle Hands. 
They take their trays to a table and are joined by Willow. And Amy, now a brunette. Xander says he likes her hair, and Oz asks where Willow's been all day, as he hasn't seen her. I think by the fact she showed up with Amy, it's kind of clear she's been with her, and Oz is more asking what they've been up to. Yeah. But Xander still panics. Yeah. Not with him. Nope. Not at all. Way to make everything super awkward, Xander. Oh my god, yeah. And uh, let me tell you, I... I love Amy's look. I do too. She looks great. I I dig I dig the brunette. I dig everything about her makeup that she has going on. I dig when we find out they have another witchy friend. <laughs> oh, so much. Kudos to Oz though, because he's just doing his best to work <laughs> through this. The pain, the jealousy, to just try to get things back to normal. And so he mentions Buffy's birthday. It's next week, which it is. And Xander says, yes. And he has present thoughts. Willow tries to hush him, but he keeps going until Willow says, hi, Buffy. Because her (laughs) whole reason behind hushing was that Buffy was approaching and they want to keep things a surprise. Is that really a good idea after last year? Uh, Yeah, we, 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 no. Buffy joins them at the table and Xander gets up, offering Buffy his seat as he goes to grab another. Okay, see, it's the little things like this I appreciate. Yes. Because we've seen time and time again that Xander will get up Mm -hmm. out of whatever chair he's in and offer it to the girl. Yes. Yeah. Like, I just, along with him saying it multiple times, I appreciate the little things like that. And the thing is, it's like, he gave her his seat only to go get another chair. Like, he saved her from having to bring another chair over. Yeah, because, like, most people, when you're in a friend group like that, you're like, oh, just grab that chair. Yeah, no, and you, no, scooch, you, you scooch over, everybody scoots their chairs, and you let your friend deal with their own chair. But no, no, Xander gave her his chair, and he got another. Yep. He asks what up, and Buffy says they haven't heard. Heard what? There was a murder. Someone killed two little kids. Seven, maybe eight? Her mom found the bodies while on patrol with her last night. The group is understandably horrified, though Xander would like to know what her mom was doing there. (laughs) Ah, well, just to make bad matters worse, her mom chose last night for a little impromptu bonding. Willow can't believe her mom would actually take the time to do that with her, which is not the point of the story, she knows. No, but the point of the story is that she is totally wigging. Who's wigging? Joyce is not (laughs) only at the school, but in the cafeteria. (sighs) Something that you could do, again, you could do back in the 90s. Your mom could just show up. Buffy tells her everyone, everyone is waking because of what happened. Willow and the others all say hi, a little awkwardly, which I am chalking up to the situation as everyone except Amy knows her really well. Yeah. As Joy says, it was just so awful. She had nightmares about it all night. Has she talked to Mr. Giles yet? Does he know what might have done it? Uh, Yeah. Buffy tells her mom that he thinks it might have been something ritualistic, a cult. But he's still looking, and in the meantime, they're going to add to Buffy's patrol. Keep an eye out. A cult. Like, witches. (laughs) Amy shifts in her seat, and Willow starts choking on her drink. (laughs) As the others look her way, she says, Phlegm, too much dairy. Joyce knows the kids all think that sort of thing is cool. Buffy told her Willow dabbles. But anyone who could do this, they aren't cool. They're a monster. I love the I love the Saturday afternoon special oh, tone yeah. that Christine has during oh, this. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love, I mean, I know that it's it's for purposes of the episode, but I love the fact that from cults, which could be anything like Jonestown, you yeah. know, that's, that it just goes right to witches. Buffy can see her mom starting to get worked up again and so asks the others to excuse them. As Buffy leads her away, Joyce says how nice it was to see everyone again. Xander says it's kind of a bummer. Here Joyce was, finally accepting the whole Slayer deal, and then this happens. It's going to make her extra freaked. Willow says maybe she should be glad her mother doesn't really pay attention to her extracurricular activities, or even her curricular ones. (laughs) Amy's little smirk there is great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And... As we all know, all this mention of Willow's mother is leading up to the fact that we're going to see her in just a moment. Yes, yes. And it's a shame we have to meet Sheila like this, but... In the hallway, Joyce wants to know if Buffy's friends will be helping with the investigation. Buffy is not sure the school hall is the best place to be talking about this. (laughs) Is she embarrassed to be seen with her mother? (laughs) Yes, yes, I am. No, it's just this hall, it's about school. And her mom, she is about home. (laughs) Home and school do not mesh. To go back to Buffy's conversation in school hard, it's like oil and water in a third unmeshable thing. (laughs) Joy says it's just, she keeps thinking about who could have done such a thing. She wants to help. Well, Giles could always use help in the library. Oh no, Joyce has other plans. Apparently she's called everyone she knows in town and told them all about the dead children. They're just as upset as she is. She called everyone? She knows. And they called everyone they know. They're setting up a vigil for that night at City Hall. Even the mayor will be there. (laughs) Now they're going to get some action. I really wish we could have gotten a scene with like the mayor's thoughts. Yes. On this whole thing. Because this can't be good for him. No, no. Like, because you do see him later when... Joyce is t- <clears throat> yeah me. when Joyce is talking at the the vigil where he looks visually uncomfortable yeah so I'm like I just I wish we had gotten a conversation with him and Alan about how this is just like god damn it we need to find a way to make this go away this is this is not good this is not good Alan <laughs> this is trouble <laughs> Buffy tells her mom that's great really but normally when they're working on stuff like this They like to keep the number of people that know about it down to a minimum. Oh, right. Well, she's sure there won't be many people. Oh, Joyce. (laughs) Joyce, Joyce, Joyce. As I'm sure you can all guess, we next go to City Hall, where there is, in fact, that many people. That's a lot of people. All holding candles or signs with the pictures of the children that read, Never Again. Joyce moves about, talking to various people as Buffy and Willow enter. Buffy says, this is great. Maybe they can all go patrolling together later. (laughs) At least her mom's making an effort. Willow's mom is there. Sheila greets the girls calling Buffy Bunny (laughs) and says she didn't know Willow was going to be there. Willow kind of wants to know what her mom is doing there. Well, she read about it in the paper and with her dad out of town, she thought she'd... Willow chopped off all her hair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was a sudden whim she had back in August. She likes it. I feel like Sheila is replacing the version of Buffy's mom from the movie. A little bit. I think in the movie, it was more that like Buffy's mom was very flighty and like that stereotypical Orange County mom. Sheila, I think, is just more like we see in the conversation later. She's just so into her work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because like the whole like, well, you're age group. Emily's like, I'm not an age group. Yeah. 
like she just she gets so consumed by her work that she doesn't really notice her daughter. <laughs> Sheila then greets Joyce, who is just so glad Sheila could be there. Giles arrives, and well, things are still kind of awkward. <laughs> He and Joyce really don't know what to say to one another, and the crowd kind of keeps pushing them physically closer to one another. Eventually, Giles just congratulates her on the turnout. It's quite the crowd. She says it wasn't all her, but thank you. That doesn't dispel the awkward, though. Oh, no. (laughs) Because then they try to do the whole, I haven't seen you since. But neither (laughs) one wants to talk about the last time they saw one another. And so you would think Sheila interrupting would be quite welcome. Nope. Because she starts her sentence with, there's this rumor going around. (laughs) Instantly, Giles panics. A rumor? About them? Joyce shoots him a look, and he corrects himself. Oh my god. Giles, you're terrible at this. Witches. That people calling themselves witches are responsible for this brutal crime. Indeed. How strange. Yes. (laughs) Strange. Willow is just so very uncomfortable right now. (laughs) Witches. Sheila says, actually, it's not that strange. She just recently co-authored a paper about the rise of mysticism in adolescence. And she was shocked at the statistical... Oh, she stops as the mayor steps up to the podium. Are they starting? Uh, Before we get to the mayor, Sheila Rosenberg, played by Jordan Baker, while she's done a ton of guest roles, her most well-known role before Buffy was probably as ADA Marsha Fusco on LA Law. Yes. Following Buffy, she did a few episodes of Passions, which is great because as we all know, that's Spike and Joyce's favorite soap opera. Oh, I love Passions. And she's also been on such shows as Gilmore Girls, Psych, and The Americans. And The New Adventures of Old Christine. Yes, yes. She did that one as well. But speaking of Sheila, uh, let's talk about her her line about rising mysticism among adolescents. Yes. So this aired in 1999. Do you know it was super popular in the 90s? Wicca. Oh, yeah. And do you know what was published in 1998? What was published in 1998, Mary? Teen Witch, Wicca for a New Generation by fucking Silver Ravenwolf. Oh my god. Yes, this is where I texted you like, I'm gonna go on a rant. We, yeah, this was, I, I, yeah. (laughs) I fucking fucking despise this woman. Fucking, oh god, let's, tell me Mary, tell me all about it. (laughs) No, we, this is a conversation, this is a conversation that Mary and I have had before. Oh yeah. So this is, I'm so glad y'all get to hear this. (laughs) So not only is she one of the most condescending people. Oh, she sucks. The tone she takes in her books is just insulting. But most of the stuff she teaches is wrong. Mm -hmm. Like beginners to the craft arguing with experienced elders and high priestesses because Silver said so. It just... (sighs) So... I could spend all day ranting about this woman and the many, many things she's incorrect about, but there's still so much to go on this episode. So I'm going to try to keep it brief. Yeah, she she is responsible for a lot of bullshit uh, in yeah. the 90s. She teaches that Wicca and witchcraft are the same thing, as in the terms are interchangeable. They are not. <sighs> Wicca is a form or a sect of witchcraft. It is a neo-pagan religion. But it's not the end-all be-all. Her definitions for a lot of things are just 
flat out wrong. Yeah. A lot of her writing and her depictions of the old religion draw from Murrayism, which is the writings of Margaret Murray, which were disproved about 20 years before Ravenwolf's books were ever published. There was no one ancient witch religion in Europe, no one deity known as the goddess. That was kind of the point. All these sects in all these countries had their own religions, their own gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. Then there's her whole more persecuted than thou attitude mixed with the whole shtick on the burning times. Oh, God. Yeah, that. Oh, God. Now, don't get me wrong. The burning times refer to a real point in history, but she likes to inflate the numbers for her own look how put upon we are narrative. And when it comes to science and or sexuality, her views were outdated even then. Mm -hmm. Because for a religion that supposedly embraces the goddesses of old and that's all about female empowerment, she likes to talk a lot about how good girls don't have sex. And how the Beltane colors symbolize the virginity that was taken from them. I'm sorry. The pagan holiday that is like all about consensual sex is now about stuff being taken from. I'm just, I I hate, I hate this. I hate hate her so much. I had to, I, I had to poke the bear because I... And you will find if you if you dig deep that most respectable people in the in the community who practice the craft also hate her with yeah. a burning passion. Yeah. So just just look her up. Other other people have dissected her bullshit. Oh yeah, like there's better. a whole thing on her like racist views yeah. as well. Like yeah. yeah I mean, she's again could go, on, could go on for days. And and also when you look at her name, oh, <laughs> <sighs> it's like edgy. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's okay. Yes, we'll be here all day. Let's move on to the press conference. The mayor. 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 We like talking about the mayor. Yes. He greets the crowd and Joyce tells Buffy that he'll get something done. She'll see. He thanks the crowd for coming, mentioning the terrible tragedy of the crime. But their being there, coming together, it shows that Sunnydale is a good town, full of good people, compassionate people. And with that in mind, he makes the words of the posters, never again, his pledge to them. He then introduces the woman who brought them all there, Joyce Summers. Making her way through the crowd, Joyce takes her place at the podium and then tells the mayor he is dead wrong. (laughs) Sunnydale is not a good town. How many of them have had someone, a loved one that just disappeared or got skinned (laughs) or suffered a neck rupture? And how many of them have been too afraid to speak out? Joy says she was supposed to leave them all in a moment of silence. But silence is this town's disease. For too long, they have been plagued by unnatural evils. This isn't their town anymore. It belongs to the monsters and the witches and the slayers. <laughs> yeah, Buffy's not loving this speech. No. Or no. her mother outing the existence of all of this. And like we just said, <laughs> neither is the mayor. The mayor is squirming. He is just... <laughs> he is... It makes me realize there was a a missed opportunity here. A little, the enemy of my enemy is my friend with Buffy and the mayor partnering to make this all go away. Yeah, yeah. Look, this doesn't help either of us. No. Can we call a truce? Joyce continues. It's time for the grownups to take Sunnydale back. And they should start by finding the people who did this and make them pay. Joyce's speech is met with rousing applause. Everyone now very hyped up. Only Buffy, Willow, and Giles seem to realize how very bad Mm -hmm. this all is Mm -hmm. and how very wrong this could all go. 
Later that night, somewhere in some little neighborhood, three witches gather. Kind of like the beginning of Macbeth, only with electricity and blacklight posters. Mm-hmm. And more eyeliner. Way more eyeliner. <laughs> One of the witches is a male we've yet to meet, but who we will find out in a moment is named Michael. One is Amy, and the last is Willow. They perform a spell, something involving a skull, some sand, a cauldron, and the symbol that was marked on the children's hands. Well then. Ooh. This this looks shady. Yeah. Again, uh, this this is another thing about this episode that I love is just how it like you have no idea what is going on till the yeah, very end. Yeah, yeah. Like it it appears to be that they are responsible for this. And then later you're like, well, are the children ghost children? Like, yeah. Is it? Like you, until you get to the end, you have no idea what's oh, going yeah. on. Oh yeah, yeah. You have no idea. Yeah. The next morning, Michael is looking at himself in a locker mirror framed very nicely with gothic lace curtains. Oh, he, yeah. I love everything about Michael. When a couple of jocks appear, slamming the locker shut and making fun of the fact he wears eyeliner. Then they start on him for being into witchcraft, asking if he's going to put a spell on them, calling it weird. Amy attempts to interject on his behalf, and we see Cordelia among the onlookers. The jocks say that people like Michael, they need to learn a lesson. Amy asks, what about people like her? Get in his face and find out. That's when Buffy appears behind Amy, smiling sweetly and looking very cute in what I originally thought was space buns, but it's just a high ponytail. Yeah. The jocks immediately release Michael <laughs> as he had shoved him up against a locker. I love I love how all Buffy has to do is move into the frame. That was the best part. Her just like, hi. Oh, and I'm like, oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, didn't, no. didn't mean to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because even though like... Buffy just has the reputation and if she's there to protect somebody you better back the fuck off he straightens Michael's shirt and says there's no problem there really they're walking as they leave Buffy checks in with Michael and Amy are they okay yeah they're fine Amy thanks her and they too head off as Buffy goes to approach Giles Cordelia intercepts her she's gonna be a pretty busy little slayer protecting them Buffy doubts they'll have any more trouble Cordelia doubts her doubt because everyone knows witches killed those kids and Amy is a witch, and Michael is whatever the name for a boy witch is, plus being the poster boy for yuck. <laughs> Buffy tries to stop her, but she just keeps going. If Buffy's going to hang with them, expect badness, because that's what you get when you hang out with freaks and losers. Believe her. She knows. As she walks away, she says, that was a pointed comment about <laughs> her hanging with them. <laughs> yeah, Buffy got that. <laughs> hey, Michael's cute. Michael's super cute. God and God damn it, Cordelia. Like, I really want to be like, fuck off. Like I was in amends. But Cordelia's going to come through later in this episode. And she's really going to come through next week. Yeah, I think part of and, and I think part of like the Cordelia thing at this point is the influence of the thing that is happening right now. That's like the weird supernatural. I'm trying to be vague because of the whole. Well, I mean, I mean, we always say there's no spoilers, but I think I have, like, we're, I want to talk about that in a little bit. Okay. Because I do want to talk about how much influence we think this demon had, because giving them too much influence takes away from the terror of this episode. Yeah. So at, when, when we get a little bit farther down, I do want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Buffy continues to yell, saying, and besides, witches didn't do it. But Giles quietly tells her that actually they might have. Giles' research keeps bringing him back to European Wiccan covens. I really doubt it does, Giles, because Wicca was invented in 1954. But yeah, sure, continue. Well, let's, we'll blame the writers. Yes, we'll blame the writers. Yeah. He found the meaning of the symbol? He's pretty sure, yeah. 
There's just one piece of information he needs in a book that Willow borrowed. Can she find her? With a nod, she heads off. So let's stop there for a sec and talk about Michael. Yes. Who is played by Blake Soper. Yes. I adore Blake. He's an actor and a musician Mm -hmm. and is one of those people who kind of made the rounds in the 90s. However, he is most recognizable as Pinsky from Salute Your Shorts. Yep. Which (laughs) the amount I love that show is ridiculous. It's on Paramount Plus, all my 90s children. Oh, God, I love that show. And Joey the Rat from Boy Meets World. Yep. Also great. Yes. Yeah, and I love, I just, I love his 90s goth aesthetic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The mall goth aesthetic is strong. Yeah, it is just, I mean, he is OG Hot Topic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was kind of Mary's look in the 90s. Yeah, it like. It's it's just it's it's fan and he he pulls it off so well. He is so super cute, he's and he's adorable. not like and he's he is the he is literally the non threatening Molgoth. Oh yes, absolutely. Like they they really they really casted this role so very well. Oh, perfectly. perfectly, you know, like you can't see this kid hurting a fly. Oh no. He's yeah, he's just the bullied kid who found his niche and he just wants to live. I'm very protective, okay? <laughs> no, I'm right there with you. I love Michael. I'm really sad we don't see him. I know. Again. I would have loved to have seen I would have loved him and Willow trying to fix Amy. Yeah, why wasn't he involved in that effort? <laughs> you know what? I think he fucked out of Sunnydale. Probably. He was like, I'm, get, I'm getting out of this town. You know what? Fuck this. This is that like that was, a you know, Sunnydale is a bit much to begin with, but I can't come back from this. Climbing the steps to the student lounge, Buffy runs into Xander. Is Willow around? When are people going to get the memo? It's over between them. What? Just because he's around so much she be? Buffy points to the place beside Xander. Aren't those her books? Yeah, she's in the bathroom. But his point remains. He's tired of it. The judgment. Isn't a man innocent until proven guilty? He is guilty. He got illicit smoochies. Now he needs to pay the price. He's talking about future guilt. He knows everyone is just waiting for him to mess up again. Look at Oz. The way he is around him. The steely gaze. The pointed silence. Yeah, because he's usually such a chatterbox. And also, I think a lot of it is because you don't shut up, Xander. Yes. Also that. Yeah. Yeah, like we, we, he's, I think he's like, he's back with, he's back with Willow. So that shows that he forgives her. I think he just would like you to shut up and we can move on. No, but it's different now. Like a verbal, nonverbal. <laughs> Xander says he can speak volumes with his eyes. Going over to where Willow's things are, Buffy picks up a book. On the notebook beneath, she sees the symbol. Willow comes up and she asks Willow, what is that? A doodle. She doodles. So does Buffy. Buffy tells her that's a witch symbol. And Willow says, Yeah. It's also the symbol that was on the murdered children. What? Before Willow can say anything else, we hear a commotion from the hallway. Lockers opening and closing, and the sound of someone telling the students to step back. Immediately, they're off to investigate. The hall is filled with students, faculty, cops. A janitor unlocks each locker as officers search them, confiscating items, books, herbs, heads of garlic. Anything that looks like it could be used for witchcraft. If a student is found to have these things, they're pulled away for questioning. One of the students we see pulled away is actually Jerome Elston Scott. He will later go on to be on Freaks and Geeks and is now actually a director. Xander frowns. It's Nazi Germany and he has Playboys in his locker. (laughs) Snyder is loving this, saying it's a great day for principals everywhere. 
No pathetic whining about students' rights. Just a long row of lockers and a man with a key. Oz says they've already taken away three kids. Buffy asks, what are they looking for? Which stuff? Amy tells her she was already told to report to Snyder's office. As they're talking, an officer comes up to escort Amy and Willow begins panicking. She has stuff in her locker. Henbane and other herbs. Xander repeats that he has Playboys in his. Nobody cares about your Playboys right now, Xander. No, no, Xander. Normally we'd be like, uh, yeah, maybe that's not good. Yeah. But right now, Snyder does not care about how pervy certain teenage males can be. Yeah, yeah. He is not, he is not concerned. Yeah, Xander, that'll be another day. But since we mentioned Playboy, uh, Charisma Carpenter, Mercedes McNabb, and Christy Swanson, the original Buffy, would all later pose for Playboy. And two other Playboy models, Daphne Duplay and Jamie Bergman, would guest star on Angel. Jamie would also later become Mrs. Boreanaz. <laughs> they reach Cordelia's locker and Cordelia starts yelling, That hairspray cost $45. They need to keep their grubby custodial mitts off it. And that's, that's great. That's great, Cordy. That's, I mean. Willis says her locker is next. She tells Buffy the symbol is harmless. It's part of a protection spell that she did for Buffy for her birthday. But as she told her, it's broken now. <laughs> so, uh, happy birthday. <laughs> she has to believe her. Bag of herbs in hand, Snyder comes up. His office, now. She starts to go and Buffy crosses in front, taking the witchcraft book from her hands. Oz chooses to go with her, a hand going to guide her. This scene. <sighs> Combined with the next one, these might be the two most terrifying scenes in this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the entire show, really. Mm-hmm. Because they're real. And yep. we're going to talk about specific instances of this later when they're brought up with the gang and kind of at the end, we'll just sum up the entire like theme of this episode. But still, the random searches, the confiscation of materials deemed dangerous or inappropriate, detainment, questioning based on mere suspicion with no real evidence. Mm-hmm. Guilt by association profiling we've seen this all throughout history and we see it today and then when you get to the library which we'll do in a second mm -hmm. with the confiscation and the burning of books because yeah it's books they're using at kindling yeah in the end yeah i still got this deep feeling of dread and anxiety watching this episode you know considering the like taking out books from the school that are quote unquote inappropriate for students. Yeah. That's going on right now. Yeah. There's a, for all you people who are my book talk people, I'm sure you guys know that there's the big thing to remove uh, the ACOTAR series mm -hmm. from schools because it's deemed inappropriate more for romantic reasons than witchcraft reasons. And everybody's cracking up because they want to ban like one specific book and it's not even the dirtiest book. In the oh series. yeah. Yeah. And the thing it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it, and it's not even that it, it's always it's always so hilarious to me because they want to take complete access from these books away. Net, like they are also trying to like say to booksellers, booksellers should get. Yeah, they're in trying trouble to sue Barnes and Noble for which, selling okay, these books. Okay, good luck with that. Yeah. So it's not even an assigned book. Yeah. You know, it's 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 bad enough when school when parents want to say, "Oh no, my kids shouldn't read this book in class," but. To say, oh, no, my kids shouldn't have access, no kid should have access to this book at all, is just completely insane. Uh-huh. And again, like, we don't want to teach this in schools. We don't, no. we, we should, my children shouldn't have to learn this in school. Like, that's the scariest part about this episode. 
especially when you see that it is still going on in 2022. Yeah. That's that's the most horrifying, you know, Abs- that Absolutely. Oh, just It's yeah. Yeah. Also, uh fun fact, I as you guys all know, went to a Catholic all-girls school. Uh we've discussed that many many times. And when I was in high school, I was living with my very strict, very religious grandmother. So when it came to things like my interest in pagan religions and witchcraft, I couldn't keep those books at home. Mm-hmm. No, no. I kept them in school, in my locker. When this episode aired, <laughs> I had a very wicked looking book on magic in my locker. Like it was hard covered. It was black. It had silver writing and it had an image of Sir Nunes, the horned god on the front. <laughs> so I did not do well with this episode back then. And I still don't do well with this episode today. <laughs> I was like, that's great. That's good. I'd be hauled off and burned if this has happened right now. Teenage, teenage Mary is sweating. <laughs> teenage, well, teenage Mary was freaking the fuck out. <laughs> so the library, uh, <sighs> where cops are filling box after box with books, all of which can't be from Giles' personal collection. So you know they have to be taking anything with magic even remotely mentioned in it, mm-hmm. like Harry Potter. I was going to say the same thing, yep. Well, because I looked. So poor Harry... Probably in one of those boxes. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, the first few books came out in the 90s. Yep. With the first one being published in 1997. So Moo, Moo was out there banning Harry Potter before it became trendy to do so. I mean, and we all, I, I, I know so many people too. Like, we all know people, you know, let's, let's put, we'll put aside, you know, JKR as we know her today. When those books came out, there were kids that weren't allowed to read them. Oh, yeah. Because they were witchcraft and evil. But one thing that I absolutely love is, I believe at the time it was Pope John Paul. He actually came out and said that the way that he looks at the at the Harry Potter books are like the fairy tales of his childhood. Yes. He actually said that he doesn't believe that they're evil. He sees them as a tale of good triumphing over evil. Yeah. So all of these crazy religious people who were absolutely against them were basically being told by the Pope that he that y'all are crazy. Yeah, but the crazy people don't seem to listen to the Pope. They don't listen to Pope. The Pope is often like, y'all be crazy. And they're like, eh, he didn't really mean that. It's- yeah, he meant it this oh. way. He meant it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we have, yes, we have a lot of things that we can say about the Pope, but they, they like at least John Paul and Francis, the current one, have... Uh. I mean, yeah, no, Francis, Francis has had his moments. Yeah, yeah. He's had his moments of like, we can't expect much from, again, old white men. Yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, they're not Palpatine who came in between the two. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, he, yeah, that was definitely 10 steps backwards. But yes, <laughs> but yes, Harry would have been in those boxes. Buffy enters and Giles says they're confiscating his books, but they need those books. <laughs> He knows. He tried telling the nice man with the big gun that. He looks very good in this scene. I have to stop and say that. Oh, yeah. Anthony yeah, he does. Just he, he's he's really he's really pulling this look off right now. He's he's mad. He's he's looking good. But he tells them there's something off, something they're not seeing. The symbol is meant for protection. It's not a big bad. So then why did it show up in a ritual sacrifice? Giles says normally he'd say they need to broaden their research. With what? <laughs> A dictionary and my friend Flicka? 
Uh, so My Friend Flicka <laughs> is a 1941 novel written by Mary O'Hare. It's actually the first of a trilogy, and it follows Ken McLaughlin, the son of a rancher in Wyoming, and his Mustang Flicka. <laughs> it was made both into a movie in 1943 and a television series in 1956. Apparently... The Disney Channel used to play reruns of the episodes in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So for all of us elder millennials, which I still prefer the term the gummy bear generation. Yes. If the name sounds familiar, that is probably why. Giles says, this is intolerable. <laughs> Snyder's interfered before, but he won't take this from that twisted little humunculus. <laughs> I just, I forgot about that line. And that is like right up there with impotent little Nazi. Yeah, I... When when I rewatched it, I always forget about that line and it tickles me every time. Oh, yeah. Because he is like, because I love, because Giles being Giles just has the best turn of phrase. The way that he, he insults people. <sighs> and he's, like I said, he's 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 looking good today. He is, oh, he, oh, he is looking yes. mighty fine. Of course, Snyder enters just then saying he loves the smell of Desperate Librarian in the morning. This is, of course, a play on the quote, I love the smell of napalm in the morning from Apocalypse Now, a 1979 psychological war movie inspired by Joseph Conrad's novel Heart of Darkness. I do not recommend reading Heart of Darkness no. at all. No. Uh, but then I could be biased because I hated it with a passion. It was yeah. just, it was not for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The movie, watching watching the actual movie isn't as bad as reading the novel. Anyway, this line is great because as we will see in season four, Snyder appears in Xander's dream during Restless, which is given a whole Apocalypse Now kind of feel to it. Mm -hmm. Giles tells Snyder to get out and to take his marauders with him. Snyder is very sassy right now (laughs) with his so fierce before saying he supposes he should hear Giles out. Please explain to him how blood rituals and sacrifices is appropriate for a school library. Chess club branching out? While he's doing this, Buffy is pushing the book she got from Willow (laughs) off the counter and onto the floor so that it will be missed by those going through everything. I I like, I really love how casual she is about that. Just like, "Eh, eh, eh, okay. Giles tells him this isn't over and Snyder agrees. It's just beginning. But remember, lift a finger against him and Giles will have to answer to Moo. Answer to Moo? (laughs) Buffy looks at him. Did that sentence just make some sort of sense that she's not in on? (laughs) Mothers opposed to the occult. A powerful new group. And who came up with that lame name? (laughs) Snyder says that would be the founder. He believes she calls her mom. (laughs) So I do have like one question. Okay. I thought in earlier seasons... It was made clear that Giles keeps a lot of the Slayer-esque books locked up. And they weren't in the general collection. It You can see them coming from the locked gate. They they He probably was forced to unlock everything. But then they also find the Watcher's Diaries. Do they have all his... Do they have all that? Like, I, I, I'm very intrigued by this. Mary, you're thinking a little too deep. I'm t- but they took all his stuff. I know. Joyce knows what kind of stuff he has. I know. I know, Mary. But again, like, yeah, they were they were definitely coming out of the book cage. cage where he keeps a lot of the stuff. Which so, also the book return is in, which is just weird. Uh, look, look, we, we have so many questions about 
the way that this school is set up. And I also love that they're confiscating the books and they're questioning that. They're not questioning if they made him unlock everything. Yeah. They're not questioning why he has crossbows <laughs> or like medieval maces. Yeah, I think at this point they're just focused on the books. That's fair. That's fair. Just yeah. like, there's so much more you can question in that library. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those we just need to suspend disbelief. That's fair. And, and blame, I, mean, like, I understand again, once you get into mob mentality, nobody's thinking straight. Yeah. Yeah. We're focused on the actual books. Later that night, Willow returns home to find her mother waiting for her. Some of Willow's witch things laid out on the coffee table. As Willow enters the living room, her mother tells her to have a seat. So Principal Snyder called her. He did, and he's very concerned. Well, this isn't what it looks like. Sheila says Willow doesn't have to explain. It isn't exactly a surprise. Why not? She says that identification with mythical icons is perfectly typical of Willow's age group. (laughs) That it's a classic adolescent response to the pressures of incipient adulthood. (laughs) Oh, of course, Sheila does wish that Willow could have identified with something a little less icky, developmentally speaking. Willow interrupts her mother. She's not an age group. She's her. A willow group. Sheila comes to sit by her daughter with an oh honey. (laughs) And says she understands. She doesn't though. Because willow can do stuff. Not anything bad or dangerous. But she can do real magic. Spells. She thinks she can. And that's what concerns Sheila. The delusions. Willow asks her mom how she would even know what she can do. The last time they had a conversation over three minutes, it was about the patriarchal bias of Mr. Rogers. (laughs) I love that. Well, with King Friday lording it over all the lesser puppets. All right. So, you know, after that line, (laughs) I had to go look it up because that's what I do. And while I do not think the show had a patriarchal bias at all. No. Come on. It's Mr. Rogers. There were... 13 regular female characters out of 32 and about 11 puppet female characters out of around 29. (laughs) So make with that what you will. I don't, uh, she's making too much of it. Yes, she is. (laughs) Yeah. I like of all the, of all the people that you could come down on in that era. Yeah. Leave Fred Rogers alone. And I, I think that was supposed to, that yeah. is probably the point of the line. Yeah. That, like, she is just ridiculous with her analysis. Yeah. And... A little too much. Well, this says she's not paying attention. Exactly. And this is her way of trying to get it. Now, she has consulted with some of her colleagues and they agree. This is a cry for discipline. She's grounded. Grounded? This is the first time ever she's done something her mother doesn't like and she's grounded? she's supposed to mess up she's a teenager remember sheila says she knows that she's upset she hears her no hear this she's a rebel she's having a rebellion her mother tells her that she doesn't have to do this she doesn't have to act out to prove her specialness she's not acting out she's a witch she can make pencils float and she can summon the four elements okay two but four soon (laughs) and she's dating a musician i love that that's the part that just makes sheila be like oh willow oh yeah like oh my gosh willow continues now hyped up and (laughs) going off a little into left field yeah she's she's lost it she worships beelzebub does his dark bidding does her mom see any goats around (laughs) no because she (laughs) sacrificed them 
all bow before Satan. Sheila tries to leave, saying she's not going to listen to this anymore. But still, Willow carries on. Prince of Night, she summons you. Come fill her with your black, naughty evil. (laughs) I love Willow. Precious Willow. Finally, Sheila's had it. She tells Willow, it's enough. Are they clear? She wants her to go to her room and stay there until she says otherwise. And there's going to be some changes around there. She doesn't want her hanging out with those friends of hers anymore. It's clear where this little obsession came from. Sheila tells her she will not speak to Bunny Summers ever again, which is followed directly by Joyce telling Buffy that she doesn't want her seeing Willow anymore. She has spoken to her mother and she had no idea her forays into the occult had gone so far. Buffy confronts her about being the one who ordered the raid on the locker or the raid on the school. Joyce says all they did was open a few lockers. Yeah, lockers. <laughs> First syllable, lock. They're supposed to be private, and they took all of Giles's books away. Joyce says he'll get most of them back. Moo just wants to weed out the offensive material. Everything else will be returned to Giles soon. Yeah, but if they're going to solve this, they need those books now. Joyce tells her those books have no business being in a public school library. Especially now. Any student can just walk in there and get all sorts of ideas. Does she understand how that terrifies Joyce? Buffy hates that these people scared her mom so much and she knows she's just trying to help, but she needs to let her handle this. It's what she does. But is it really? She patrols. She slays. Evil pops up and she undoes it. And that's great. But is Sunnydale getting any better? Are they running out of vampires? Buffy doesn't think that one really runs out of vampires. (laughs) Joyce says it's not her fault. That Buffy doesn't have a plan. She just reacts to things. It's bound to be kind of fruitless. Buffy can't believe what she's hearing. And honestly, it it kind of pisses her off. So yeah, maybe she doesn't have a plan. Because Lord knows she doesn't have lapel buttons. (laughs) But maybe the next time the world's getting sucked into hell, she won't be able to stop it. Because the anti-hell sucking book is not on the approved reading list. Joyce says she's sorry. She didn't mean to put down. Well, she did. But it doesn't matter. She has to go. She has to go on one of her pointless patrols and react to some vampires. Provided that's okay with Moo. (laughs) Buffy starts to leave, but turns around one last time to tell her mother, nice acronym. (laughs) Left alone, Joyce mutters that she was just trying to make things better. And that's when we see them. Creepy ghost children. Creepy ghost children. Or at least they're supposed to be creepy ghost children. Yes. They tell Joyce that she is making things better and that there's bad people out there. They can't sleep, not until she hurts them the way they were hurt. There is just, there's so much to talk about in this scene. Uh, First off, Joyce has completely turned their dining room into a war room with signs and posters, charts, buttons, files. She is 10,000% in. It is, it is terrifying. Second, I kind of wish that amends didn't come between this episode and The Wish. Yeah. Because this episode fits so perfectly between The Wish and Helpless. Yep. With all the references to Buffy's birthday and then what Joyce says about making Sunnydale better. Because we, as the audience, know Buffy's made Sunnydale better. We see what it would have become without her. And third, whew, creepy ass children. Oh, these creepy children. 
I just, like we talked earlier, I just remember the first time this aired and aside from like the feelings of dread and anxiety, just not being able to figure out what was going on. Because I think at this point, I was pretty convinced they were ghosts. Yeah. Because of the whole we can't sleep line. Yeah, yeah. It definitely, it it definitely felt very ghostly. And and even, even like something else going on with the ghosts. Yeah. But rewatching it now, I mean, we'll get to it in a scene or two, but you really start to pick up on the things Buffy will come to realize. And for the moment, it makes you wonder how, so this is what I was talking about. It makes you wonder how long the demon's been controlling Joyce. Mm -hmm. Did she see the ghosts of the children right away? Was it in her nightmares? And it would be very easy to say, yeah, obviously. But I don't think it was. And I think that's the terrifying point. Yeah, I think, like, I think at the vigil, it still wasn't quite as like i i think that was still joyce at the visual at the video yeah because yeah i you know you get it but i think that was the first step toward where we ended up because i think it, it's a very it's a very subtle it's a very subtle control it is that, a very subtle control and i mean you had you had to do something you mm-hmm. had to bring a physical i mean the demon itself is physical Mm -hmm. but you couldn't just have the demon portray the two bodies and then leave because you need something for buffy basically to hit yeah yeah and also like play yeah playing on the fears of the pair like yeah it's it's a very it's a very real life fear that people have and i love when it starts to fall apart when you see Buffy, you know, in a couple scenes. Yeah. I mean, so I think this this kind of speaks a bit to what's going on in this episode. Because, like I just said, like, this demon is very... It does something and then it sits back and it lets people destroy mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't work for the end of an episode because you need something for Buffy to hit. Mm-hmm. Which is why we keep seeing the ghost children and we keep... Like, they're there present in the final scene so that they can do their thing and Buffy can end this. But, like, you do get to what Buffy was ta- is talking about in a couple thing- is things. And it's, you do ask yourself, well, why doesn't Joyce question this? And I think it really talks about the idea that, like, what happens when a tragedy like this occurs? Mm-hmm. Because, first off, all logic goes out the window. And... Once she got ramped up about this, I don't think people gave a second thought to these children's family because honestly, the children themselves no longer matter. And that's the thing. And that's the thing that happens a lot with tragedies Yeah, is the source of it tends to be forgotten. Yeah. Unless because look, you have you have these pictures of these children. Yeah. That are in the forefront. Uh huh. And unless you actually have parents who put themselves in the forefront to keep the children, you know, to keep their, the, you know, to talk about the children, that's all that the, it becomes. And it also, and the reason why I really like, again, this episode and thinking about it with the way things have been going in the past few years is look at the whole Wayfair hysteria. Yes. You have 
these, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> these theoretical children, these theoretical children that are in trouble, quote unquote. That's it's so much easier to focus on theoretical children than it is on children that are actually in trouble. Yeah. So that's why, like, the whole hysteria about that. And when you talk to people who are actually part of organizations that help children that are in trouble, children that are being abused, that are in need, that are being trafficked, they will tell you that this does not help them. No. Because they had so many people flooding their hotlines, flooding their emails, flooding everything they possibly could, telling them to look into the Wayfair thing that children who were actually in trouble fell through the cracks. Yep. They could not do their jobs to help people because of this hysteria. No. So that I actually thought about this episode back when all that was going on. Because here you have two... Yes, they thought that they actually were murdered. But in the end, it just became the symbol of these two children. That now we have to protect all of our children. And in that process, we are hurting our other children. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. So it it's 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 so terrifying because it actually happens and not again to this extent the way that it is in here but you have all these people who are getting so worked up about something that isn't even real. No. I know. I like I was looking forward to this episode. I'm like, oh, especially when the Wayfair thing came out, I'm like oh, I yeah. can't wait till we get to Gingerbread because there's just so much. So yeah, much. like you you always hear these children are being trafficked. These, well, what about the actual children that are in trouble? Yeah. And there is a such thing as, well, what does it hurt if we talk about it? Well, it hurts because you don't care about the other children. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There's my the, tangent for the day. <laughs> I love it. At the playground, Buffy takes in the memorial that's been set up for the kids. Candles, flowers, toys, pictures. All the ones that were on the poster. They've been left all over the merry-go-round where the two were found. Angel appears and Buffy goes to him with a hey. They hug and she asks how he's been. He says he's okay. Better than her, most likely. Looking at the memorial, he says he heard about what happened. People are talking. They're even talking to him. (laughs) Buffy says it's strange. People die in Sunnydale all the time. And yet she's never seen anything like this. They're children. Innocent. And Mr. Sanderson from the bank had it coming? (laughs) Sitting on the bench, Buffy tells Angel about what her mom said. About the whole slaying is fruitless. No fruit for Buffy. Angel tells her that her mother is wrong. Buffy wonders, is she? Is Sunnydale really any better than before she came? Yes. We literally had a whole episode on this Buffy. Yes, Buffy, we know you don't don't get it, but we, we do. Yes, you are important. She battles evil, yeah, but she can never really win. The bad just keeps coming back and getting stronger. It's like that story. The boy who stuck his finger in a duck. (laughs) Dyke. Off Buffy's look, Angel explains, it's another word for damn. I love how amused he is. Like the look, the look on his face 
it is adorable. Like he's like, oh yes, I love this girl. She's <laughs> oh, that story makes a lot more sense now. Angel tells her that he's still figuring stuff out. That there's a lot he doesn't understand, but he does know that it's important to keep fighting. He learned that from her, but they they never win, not completely, and they never will. That's not why they fight. They fight for the things worth fighting for. These kids, their parents. At that, Buffy begins to realize the thing that isn't adding up. And she repeats the phrase, parents. Angel says he knows it isn't a lot. No, no, it is. (laughs) Since we're about to do a huge deep dive into fairy tales, I could not let the little Dutch boy reference pass. (laughs) However, in looking this up, I realized that I, along with most everyone else in the world, did not actually know the details of this tale. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know them, so. Yes, like we all know the plot. Yes. A young boy sees a dam leaking and sticks his finger in the hole, remaining there all night despite the cold and preventing his city from flooding. He is then hailed as a hero. But had you asked, I would have told you, with confidence that this story was written by Hans Christian Andersen. I would have, yes. Yeah. Because it sounds like it, right? Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. It is a story within a story and part of an 1865 novel written by American author Mary Mapes Dodge. Oh. The novel is titled, in full, Hans Brinker, or the Silver Skates, oh. a story of life in Holland. Okay, so it's part of Hans Brink. Okay, that and that Hans makes Brinker sense. It's not even the boy who sticks his finger in the. No, dam. no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I know the story of the Silver Skates. So yeah, okay, that that makes sense. The story is completely an American fabrication, and is a small part of the novel, and yet somehow it has gained popularity and a life on its own outside the source material. To the point where there are tourism statues depicting the tale in places like the Netherlands, despite the story having absolutely nothing (laughs) to do with them. But I guess like so many people just expected it. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Good for them making money off of. Right? Right? (laughs) In the library, Giles is fighting with a computer calling it stupid, useless fad. (laughs) And yes, he said fad and he will say it again. He's so mad. I love it. Xander says at that point, he's going to become frightened. (laughs) He's just arrived with Oz, the two apparently having been on the hunt for Giles' books. Oz says to take heart. They found them. But put the heart back because they're locked up in City Hall. Leaning over Giles' shoulder, Xander tisks. Frisky watchers chat room. (laughs) Why, Giles. He straightens up as Buffy comes in, about to tell her something, but she interrupts. What do they know about these kids? Huh? Facts. Details. What do they know? Xander says they know they were found in the park. Yeah, but where did they go to school? Who are their parents? What are their names? As everyone gives each other a huh kind of look, (laughs) Buffy says they know everything about their death, but they don't even know their names. Xander says of course they do. It's, uh, It's on the tip of his tongue. Oz says it never came up. And if they don't know anything about these kids or their families... Then where did these pictures come from? Giles says he just assumed someone had the details. It is rather strange. They need to get some more information. Getting up from the computer, Giles says someone else do it. He's had enough. <laughs> Poor Giles. He's he's not having a good day. 
Xander points out if he wouldn't yell at the machine, and Oz takes a seat. He can poke around, but Willow's the one they really need. She'd know all the sights. Great, but Willow can't even come to the phone. Oz says they don't need a phone. That's when we, very briefly, move to Willow's bedroom. She's laying across her bed, playing with a stuffed bear, clearly bored out of her mind. We hear her laptop beep, and she gets up, going to retrieve it. Back in the library, Oz says they're linked. So this moment, small as it was, led me to go look up the years that AIM was popular. Oh, no. Because I had a bit of a debate with myself and whether it should have been more of like a duh moment for them to realize they could reach Willow online. And I definitely think at this moment, it probably shouldn't have been. Everyone's riled up. The thing with the kids is getting really weird. But AIM rose to popularity around 97, which seems about right. And also, if you think about it, Going back to the iRobot episode, she was communicating with, I mean, there was like, she was communicating with Malcolm using some sort of internet chat. So yeah, but she was using a weird school internet. Like that was a whole other like, yeah, that's true. But still, it was a thing that happened. Yeah. And, like, I remember having a screen name in high school and using it to chat with my friends. And, like, this was the time when the internet was also very quickly gaining popularity. Mm-hmm. And I've said before, I you know, I was very active on the Buffy Threaded Posty Word back in the day. And the fan sites on things like Angel Fire and GeoCities were all the rage. So, like, I'm looking back on my own high school experience. And I, I, I don't know what yours was like. But it seems weird that we never see Buffy or Xander or anyone except Willow engaged with things like instant messenger. See, I did not have the internet in a capacity or a computer that could really go on the internet probably until my junior or senior year of high school cuz we were okay. we were poor ass country people who didn't like <laughs> I mean, when I say I'm a poor ass country country person, I lived in a trailer in like the middle of the woods. So I was, I, yeah, we, we got dial up at one point and I was online, but I didn't have, I didn't use aim really until I got to college after I graduated. So that's why this doesn't seem as weird as weird to me because not a lot of, not everybody was as connected as you know so like you had the one friend who was like willow who really knew computers had computers or you had your parents computer you had the computer in the main room so yeah we weren't as it like i said it wasn't until i got to college and we discovered we really discovered aim and we used it to communicate and get everybody together so yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem out of the ordinary okay like but I because just like obviously my friend group was very into being mm-hmm. online with each other when we were in school I mean we talked on the phone a lot more back in the 90s than we texted but I saw had a moment of like but it's Willow wouldn't they have- yeah I feel like that's why I feel like Willow and Oz yeah because yeah. he like he was like I don't need a phone yeah so just, that's ugh. that's why like I was glad he was there so they probably go back and forth online that's true. Ugh, 90s technology. I know. It's so, it really is funny to think, go back and think about yeah. what were we doing at the time. 
Also, I'm like, what do we think everyone's screen name? I have to think on that one. Oh my God. I don't remember. Oh no, no. I meant like, like what is Willow's? Oh, what is Willow's? Yeah. Like now, now I'm going to have to think on that one. Anyway. I think she changed her screen name to Little Tree. I, I want to believe that is true. <laughs> because that would be the best yeah after like after like the whole mrs barton thing was so cute she's like little tree i like that that's who i am now Oz says if anyone's id the kids she'll find it and feed it over to them we get a shot of willow searching and then giles is reading something off the screen seems two kids were found near omaha in 1949 the same two kids bum 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 and then in 1899 they were found near utah Buffy says it looks like these kids have never been seen alive, just dead. A lot. She's not wrong, because Willow's found two more articles, same kids. It's like every 50 years, they just appear. It dates all the way back to 1649. Giles asks if he can see the oldest article, and Oz moves. It's written badly Mm -hmm. in German, as in there are more mistakes than not. And supposedly talks about how a cleric found two kids near the Black Forest in Germany. This article, unlike the others, gives the children names. Mm -hmm. Greta Strauss, age six, and Hans Strauss, age eight. (laughs) At Willow's, her mother comes in to find her on the computer and says she's not minding her. Willow tries to protest, but her mom says she gets it. She's challenging her. However, she is not going to have her communicating with her cyber coven or whatever. (laughs) Coven? What happened to her mom not believing her? To thinking she was delusional and acting out? Sheila says that was before she talked in depth with Mrs. Summers and her associates. It seems she's been rather close-minded. So she believes her? She does. She believes her. Which means all she can do now is let her go with love. Let her go? What does that mean? Sheila doesn't answer. Instead, she leaves the room, locking Willow inside. As Oz continues to search search away on the computer, Giles tells us that there is a theory held by some French folklorists that some regional stories have actual, very literal antecedents. And in some language that's English, <laughs> Oz helpfully translates, fairy tales are real. Buffy starts to say something. Hans's name, actually, and then stops herself. Wait, Hansel and Gretel? Xander's right behind her. Hansel and Gretel! Like breadcrumbs, oven, gingerbread house. <laughs> Giles says, of course, it's all falling into place now. Yeah, only that place is nowhere near this place. (laughs) Giles says that some demons thrive by sowing discord, causing hatred and persecution among humans, not by destroying them, but by watching them destroy one another. They feed us our darkest fears and then watch as peaceful communities become filled with vigilantes. Hansel and Gretel run home and tell everyone about the mean old witch. And then she, and probably thousands like her, are hunted down by a righteous mob. It's happened all throughout history. It happened in Salem, not surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Xander says he's still stuck on the whole fairy tales are real thing. <laughs> Oz asks, what do they do? And Xander says he doesn't know about them, but he's going to go trade his cow for some beans. <laughs> Off Giles's look, he says, what? Is no one else really seeing the funny here? Buffy says she needs to go talk to her mom. If she knows the truth, then maybe she can put a stop to all this. Before she can leave, Michael comes running into the library, his face all busted up. What happened? He was attacked. Seeing this, Xander retracts his earlier comment. This is officially not funny. Buffy wants to know who attacked him. His dad, some of his friends. They're pulling people out of their homes, talking about some kind of trial at City Hall. They got Amy. Willow! They tell Michael to stay there and hide. Go to Giles' office. They'll try to get to Willow. 
or rather Xander and Oz will, Buffy and Giles are going to go talk to her mom. Michael tells them to tell Willow to get out of her house. Whew. Okay. Ooh. There's a there's a lot happening here. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to go over the whole Hansel and Gretel thing now, but I think, like I said earlier, we're going to save the whole Salem witch trials talk for the end of the episode. So Hansel and Gretel. No, wait, let's back up a bit. Before we get into the story itself, let's briefly mention the Black Forest, where the article said the two children were found. The Black Forest, which gets its name due to the large conifers blocking out the light, is a large mountain forest region in Germany. It's near the Rhine River, and it's also near the borders of France and Switzerland. And is pretty much known as the place fairy tales come from. Yes. Uh, The forest has an almost mystical aura to it. There's a bunch of old castles back in there. We'll definitely put up some pictures. It's a beautiful place. We'll definitely put up some pictures on our social media channels this week. Um, But the the aura and just the very feel of this place kind of inspired the Grimm brothers to start collecting these tales. And the Black Forest is one of like the top five places in the world I want to visit. Yeah, it I've heard I've people I know people who were who've been there that it's just absolutely beautiful and yeah, I would love to be there. But back to the story. Uh, so we all know the story of Hansel and Gretel, poor woodcutter, wife, two kids, who the wife thinks is bogarting all the food, sent off into the woods, returned once, sent off into the woods again. This time they use breadcrumbs instead of pebbles, the birds eat their trail markers. Lost and cold, they are doomed to forever wander until, yay, house made of gingerbread. Candy! Oh yeah. no, the house is owned by a witch! Who wants to eat them? She imprisons Hansel, enslaves Gretel, and then attempts to, like we said, eat them. But Gretel is a smarty pants and tricks the witch into getting into the oven. The kids return home, find out the horrid wife is dead, and they all live happily ever after. Right? Wrong. Wrong. Like Giles said, a lot of these stories have a factual element to them, and Hansel and Gretel is fairly dark, which makes sense when you consider a few things. The Brothers Grimm were not storytellers, not initially. They were historians trying to preserve the Germanic culture, Mm -hmm. writing down the oral tales their families and neighbors told. Now, later, after one or both of them became a father, they would edit said tales, but not in the beginning. These were mm-hmm. unedited and they were not really for children. Oh, they were they were not for anybody. The tale of Hansel and Gretel in particular came from Henriette Wilde, who would later marry one of the brothers. It had been passed down in her family, and most historians think it dates back to the Great Famine of the 1300s. So long before that 1649 date and the brothers themselves. Because during the famine, children were abandoned. Mm-hmm. Sometimes at churches and sometimes in the woods. It got so bad that some of the elderly would choose to die, to starve so that the younger generations might have food. Other families chose a different route, abandonment, like we just discussed, infanticide, and cannibalism. Mm-hmm. I know I should have expected that going into this, but when I got to that part of my research, I was still like, what the fuck? <laughs> It's also been pointed out by scholars and other analysis that the woodcutter and his wife don't have names, only the children. And Hansel and Gretel were the two most popular names at the time. Because this story wasn't about two particular children, it was about many children. Mm -hmm. And I think that links back to what we said earlier about the exploitative nature of tragedies like this. The details of their life don't matter. What matters is the story, the narrative that people can rally around. Exactly. And that goes back, exactly goes back to what I was saying about 
the Wayfair. It doesn't matter. They are uh, they are fictional children. But despite these dark origins, it does remain one of the brothers' most popular tales. And because it has this factual basis, this element of history that we would rather forget, of this dark side of humanity, this desperation, it's easy to see why this tale in particular was chosen to form an episode around only, I found out in reading this morning, the episode was not formed around Hansel and Gretel. The episode, I guess, was formed around this idea of a demon sowing discord. And Mm -hmm. it was Jane Edspison who wrote the episode who pitched the idea of adding in Hansel and Gretel. And it makes sense. It's a perfect, perfect sense. It's a, it's, it's a perfect foil for something like this. Oh, it is. Because you know, anything with children is going to get people riled up. Yep. All right. So back to Willow. Uh, who is still in her room. She hears her door unlock and rushes to open it, beginning to tell her mom that they need to talk. However, Sheila is not alone. Three or four others stand with her. And she tells Willow that they need to go to hurry up and also to get her coat. It's chilly out. When Willow questions where they're going, Sheila tells her again to get her coat and calls her witch. Willow quickly slams the door shut and leans against it, trying to stop them from getting in. At Buffy's, Joyce is conducting a meeting of Moo seeing who's talked to who and where they still need to outreach. Buffy and Giles burst in and Buffy tells her mom they need to talk alone. Mm -hmm. Joyce excuses herself and starts to step away with Buffy only to chloroform her. (laughs) Two of the attendees chloroform Giles. As Buffy starts to black out, she sees slash hears her mom talking to the two children. They were right. It was easy and it will only get easier. But they're still scared of the bad girls. She needs to make them go away. I love how she's they're holding it like the bottle is just the chloroform. Yeah, like a bottle, and it just has in big a big label that says chloroform. Oh yeah. (laughs) This mention of bad girls made me think this is another episode where it's really strange that Faith is absent. Yeah. Like, you again, you can't tell me the whole town is in a tizzy and she also wouldn't be eager to hunt down this thing that supposedly did this. Yeah, and also somebody like Faith, and also, like, if you think about it from Joyce's point of view. Yeah, why isn't she sending someone to drag Faith out of the motel? Yeah, see, I would have, like, I would like to just have a random Faith at the end. Like, yeah, like being dragged in, episode. <laughs> and she's just like, and Faith is just like, what the fuck is going on? Why? Like, she doesn't know because, you know, she's in her own little world doing her thing. Yeah. And then like, she's just being dragged in and just being like, what did I miss? And I mean, I get it. She wasn't a regular. She could only be in so many episodes and they needed her heavy on the back end. Mm-hmm. But this is just, again, just really, really odd with all this going on that she wouldn't be involved. Like, I think they could have left her out of the Zeppo and put her in this one. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Moo, while we're just talking about Moo, I feel that we need buttons that are watchers against Moo. Oh. Because WAM is a better acronym than Moo. Oh, by the way, I was making notes about pins for from this episode so yeah we're excited we're on the same page like i do want to make some i do want to get some moo pins because they i do think it's hilarious but also getting watchers against moo i yeah we need them yeah yeah reaching willow's house sander and oz realize they're too late as there is no one there and willow's room shows signs of a struggle in city hall that was a big struggle that was a huge yeah willow put up a fight because like her painting on the wall is 
is hanging is is off like it is yeah good for you willow you really fought those guys yeah like good girl in city hall buffy and amy are tied to stakes as sheila is supervising another person finishing tying up willow she tells willow to hold still and be a good girl willow asks why is she doing this because there's no cure except the fire buffy's still out cold but amy is calling her name trying to wake her she calls her name again and again as Willow pleads with her mom. And Cordelia slaps Giles, <laughs> having arrived at Buffy's house. She slaps him a few times, telling him to wake up. He finally does, confused as to why she's there. After complaining her hand hurts from trying so long to wake him, she says things have gotten way out of hand. First, there was a thing at school, and then her mom confiscates all her black clothes and scented candles. She came over to tell Buffy to stop all this craziness, but all she found was him unconscious again <laughs> how many times has he been knocked out anyway <laughs> she swears one of these times he's going to wake up in a coma giles really wants to talk about that statement but there's no time i Maybe love that like- i love that cordelia makes a comment on how many times giles has been knocked out yes i mean we talk about that a lot but it's so great to get somebody in universe mentioning it <laughs> They need to save Buffy from Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> Following him out, Cordelia says she'd like to be clear. The brain damage happened before she hit him. <laughs> Rushing into City Hall, Xander and Oz are met by four dudes standing guard. Xander says, why so grim? They've come to join them. They want to be part of the hate. There's a moment where the guys hesitate, unsure whether or not to let them pass. But then Oz chimes in with, just so they're clear. They all know they're nuts, right? <laughs> The guys rush towards them and the two boys take off running. Buffy's finally come to, her mom greeting her with a good morning, sleepyhead. Looking down at the bonds, the books, the fire, Buffy tells her mom she doesn't want this. Since when does it matter what she wants? She wanted a normal, happy daughter. Instead, she got a slayer. The girls struggle to get free and Sheila hands Joyce the torch. Joyce tells her that this has been so trying and Sheila has been such a champ. She'd like them to stay close. They should have lunch. Sheila would like that. They go to set the books at the base of each girl aflame, and Buffy yells for her mom to stop while Amy is just all, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> the books start to burn, the flames begin to rise, and Amy is done. She's she's done. She's out. She tells them they want to fry a witch. She can give them a witch. Right before changing herself into a rat and escaping, Buffy, rightfully so, says she couldn't have done that first. <laughs> which... I'm more like she couldn't have done a better spell. I like, I don't know, turned the mob into rats or got rid of their bonds or made it rain indoors to put out the flames. Look, we've already shown that Amy isn't the best. No, she's not. And I get it. And it's comedy. And we're going to see rat Amy pop up over the next few seasons. But just like magic. And that's that's what she chose. Yeah. That's what she chose. Yeah. Oh, also. Sometimes when you're under pressure, it's just the first thing that pops in your head. Yeah, let's let's put it let's put it down to the fact that she was stressed out, she was under pressure and that was the first thing that she thought of. Willow takes this as an opportunity to scare the crowd. They've seen what they can do. Now let them go or feel the full extent of her powers. Buffy quietly asks, "What is she going to do? Flip a pencil at them?" <laughs> and Willow just tells the crowd, "It's a really big power." <laughs> yeah. Buffy chimes in, they will be vermin, and some of them will be fish. Him, <laughs> in the back, he'll be fish. 
The crowd starts to think maybe they should leave when the two children appear. But they promised they have to kill the bad girls. Giles and Cordelia are making their way to City Hall, having stopped by Giles' place for some supplies. Cordelia thinks it all smells foul, but Giles just instructs her to shred the wolf's bane and then add the centurion root. As she mixes, Giles tries to remember the incantation he needs, but it's in German and without his books. Cordelia wants to know what it means, and he says it has to do with lifting the veil. The mixture and the incantation should show the demon in their true form, which will negate their influence. He tells her to add the toadstone, and she picks it up, sniffing it, before saying it doesn't look like a toad. Well, no. It came (laughs) from inside of one. She hates him. (laughs) Still running through the halls, Xander and Oz are trying every door, attempting to find the girls. Having no luck, they pause for a moment, only to hear Willow's screams echoing from a vent above them. Oz pops the vent, and the two crawl inside. It's getting a bit hot in the main room. The flame's getting even bigger. Closer. Buffy tells her mom that dead people are talking to her. (laughs) Do the math. She says she doesn't want to do this, that she loves her and won't be able to live with herself after. Joy says Buffy earned this. She toyed with unnatural forces. What kind of mother would she be if she let that go unpunished? Cordelia and Giles arrive, the solution they made in Cordelia's hands. They try the door to the room, but it's locked. No problem. Giles steals one of Cordelia's hairpins and goes to work. (laughs) Wow, he really was the youthful little offender, wasn't he? Cordelia says he must look back on that time and cringe. (laughs) He hushes her and continues. Yes, he does. The flames have finally made their way up to the girl's feet, and Willow says she can't take it anymore. It's too hot. Buffy tells her she's sorry that none of this would have happened if not for her. She starts to say more, but she stops as she sees Giles and Cordelia enter. Giles telling Cordelia to get the fire hose. She does, and at the sound of breaking glass, Joyce orders the mob to stop them. Cordy turns the ho- the, no, no, no. Cordy turns the hose on said mob, and holding the vial with the solution high, Giles starts reciting the incantation. Willow yells she's on fire, and Buffy tells Cordelia to put out the flames! <laughs> they can deal with the others in a minute. Oh, right. I did her that very casual, very <laughs> quiet fire. Oh, right. <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous, but I love it. <laughs> oh, well, the boys are still crawling through the air ducts. Uh, this, oh, yeah. This this is so good. Like, these two having a bonding moment by crawling through. They do. Through. They have yeah. a very nice bonding moment. Yeah. Also, I love how City Hall has a fire hose, but no sprinkler system. Yeah. Also, speaking of, speaking of being at City Hall, I feel like the mayor just fucked off somewhere. He he just he's away for the weekend. He is like not you, dealing with after this. after the after the vigil that Joyce had. He is like you know what, Alan? I'm taking the family and I'm going on vacation. Why don't all of you just take some vacation as well? Let this I, play out. Yeah, because I also thought about that. Because I was like, where is the mayor at the end of the scene? Where is Alan? Should Alan be having like a heart attack in the corner that they might be burning the building down? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely feel the mayor was just like, go on vacation, Alan. You deserved it. Let this play out. Because, hey, if he gets rid of the Slayer. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Like, if they burn her at the stake, okay, that's a problem he doesn't have to worry about when it comes time for his ascension. The flames out and the majority of the crowd doused and on the floor, Cordelia turns off the hose, which is when the two children come forward. Giles finishes the incantation, taking the vial and smashing it at their feet. 
They look down at the rising mist and hug their two bodies transforming into one much taller demon. Which I appreciate that they gave this demon a very fairy tale like appearance. Yes. Like very troll like. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's very classic troll under the bridge. Cordelia says she liked the two little ones better than the one big one. <laughs> With the demon now in his true form, the spell is broken. Joyce cries out and the mob begins to flee in terror. Still, the demon orders them to help them, protect them, kill the bad girls. Yeah, not as convincing in that outfit. The flame's gone. Buffy is able to break the stake she is tied to, free from whatever was holding it. As the demon rushes towards her, she leans forward so that he runs right into the pointy end, impaling himself. (laughs) She asks if she got it, and we see that she did. In fact, get it. The stake has gone straight through his neck. Interesting little tidbit. Uh, like with some of the other episodes, the BBC censored this shot. Yeah, I can, I can, uh, yeah, I can get it. Which is very ironic considering censorship was one of the themes of this episode. Yeah. On the other side of the demon, Xander and Oz drop from the ceiling. <laughs> As Willow and Buffy look over, Oz says that they're there to save them. We end the episode at Willow's. Buffy and Willow sitting in her room as Willow conducts some sort of spell. Buffy says her mom really doesn't mind her doing this in the house. She doesn't know. She's doing that whole selective memory thing Buffy's mom used to be so good at. So she doesn't remember anything? Oh no, she remembers the part where Willow said she was dating a musician. Oz has to come for dinner next week. So that's sort of like taking an interest. Buffy nods in agreement and asks if they should do whatever it is they're doing again. Willow says yeah, she thinks she has the mixture of herbs right this time. Turns out what they're trying to do is turn Amy back into a human. But alas, (laughs) it doesn't work. As Buffy looks over to rat Amy, she says maybe they should get her one of those little wheel thingies. The end. Ooh, that was- I really want to know how they found rat Amy. Because we see her run from the room. Did she like make her way to Willow's? Like end up on her balcony and after the second or third time this rat showed up, they were like, oh, Amy! Or did they go looking for her and are just hoping they have the right rat? <laughs> so I think my my theory is that Amy didn't go far. Okay. So once all of it was done, they found her like hanging around outside the room, maybe taking a nap on the <laughs> on, a on the on a bench. I can see so, that. So yeah. Okay. Huh. This episode. Um yeah. yeah, this episode. So Giles mentions the Salem witch trials, but I personally think this episode has a lot more to do with the satanic panic of the eighties. Yeah. Than it does with the events of 1692. Yeah, that's how I... Now, I think it would be easy to say that what the, you know, what these demons, these monsters, the, you know, the the demon did, did have an effect on the Salem Witch Trials. But yeah, it's oh, definitely absolutely. more like the Satanic Panic. Yeah. Uh, right down to stupidly named organizations. Mm-hmm. Because in the 80s, there was a bad... Bothered about Dungeons and Dragons, and I wish I was making this up. Oh God, not. And it's we were we were Mary and I were talking also about how appropriate this episode is that we're doing when the new season of Stranger Things, yes, uh, just came out. You know, without without spoilers, it does involve a lot of the satanic panic around D and D. Which when I was growing up, I lived with my my mom and I lived with my aunt and my cousin who was about, who's, he, he's much older. I think he's about 10 years older than me. He and his friends would play D&D in the basement. I was not allowed to go in the basement when they were playing <laughs> D&D. Oh. 
just because it was evil. Oh. <laughs> See, I, I, Which was is funny because I was a white wolf kid. I... I, I just did the, we just started a new session with our with, with friends and family so yes it's just it's hysterical like the craziness yeah so just just for a, a little reference um bad was formed by a Virginia activist Patricia Pauline and like with Joyce and Moo it was formed in the wake of a tragedy Patricia's son killed himself And she blamed the game because her son was the third in a line of about five or six suicides where they tried to say that like the linking incident was these kids all played D and D. And she said that, you know, her son had had a curse placed on him and or his character shortly before his death. And she believed that D and D was encouraging devil worship and that the game promoted such things as hold on to your hats here. people. Oh, I can't wait. I love this. Demonology witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex perversion, homosexuality, prostitution, satanic type rituals, gambling, barbarism, cannibalism, (laughs) sadism, desecration, and demon summoning. Oh no, I'm sorry. We're not even done. Demon summoning, necromantics, divination, and other teachings. Oh my god. That was her list of the things your children would be drawn into if they played D&D. I love it. Oh my god. Like I, you know, I feel feel so bad for her. No, but, you do. I mean you do. You do. Yeah. You feel bad. And you and, look for you look for reasons why things happened. Yeah. This was not it though. Um her her opinions gained a bit of popularity mostly in conservative communities mm-hmm. uh, but they were they were never going to become widespread popular they were never going to become as popular as role-playing games because as the role-playing games gained more popularity and became a bit more mainstream people realized her views were a little out there and they started getting called into question like how she at one time told uh authorities and some reporter that she believed eight percent of the people in virginia were satanists <laughs> And I mean, that's just something that is blatantly untrue. And when asked how she came to this conclusion, like the math didn't even add up. (laughs) Like, like even her, like, even if she was just making up the numbers, the numbers she made up did not add up to 8%. Yeah. And then of course, in 1991, several mental health organizations came out and said that there is absolutely no link between the act of taking one's own life and fantasy role-playing games. Yeah, and you have to look you have to look deeper into the fact that so many people who play these games and you know, Mary and I included, yeah, are not part of the regular group of people. No. You know, like a lot of the people who play D&D, they find a group, they find a community. So there is more going on. They were you, you know, I I don't know exactly what happened to and you know any of them that had committed suicide a lot of these kids are bullied they're they had there's there's a lot of depression a lot of mental health problems and it's just instead of trying to go deeper people try to find something that they can blame instead of just doing more research i guess um <laughs> i hate people that's what this goes down <laughs> to <laughs> I, yeah and And again, it goes like, 
video games cause mass shooters. This caught like we have it's it's yeah. just all the same thing that is completely being rehashed every year. It's very it is very the like no evidence and just like a big part of this satanic panic of the 80s was like daycare workers oh, were God. eating children. Yeah. It was it was very it got very weird. It got very weird. Uh, there's a bunch of books written on this. I'm probably actually going to order some because I was it gonna is say, fascinating. If you if you have any interest in anything like the misconceptions about the satanic panic and how things came around, there is a fantastic podcast called You're Wrong About. I was going to wonder if they did an episode. They did an episode. They did an episode on the satanic panic. They do a lot of things into things that you're wrong about, things that you believe to be true like they do they have a lot of a lot of great episodes and they do some of the deepest dives into oh, i'm gonna have to go study. go listen to that episode yeah. while i'm driving to the office this week yeah that, that it's it's good. it's definitely yeah so they they and they also talk about how it links back to things that are going on today with famous people eating chill like eating gate. yeah oh but yes, there, there's a ton of great books. There's like, Froggy said, there's podcasts. I'm kind of hoping that maybe with it being in Stranger Things, we're going to get a new documentary or two about it. Because that seems to be what happens. Like, something in pop- these things yeah. re- like, rise again and then people want to. I like- mean, D&D was, was trending on Twitter when this season dropped, so... Well, I mean, D&D became very popular again during the pandemic yep. because it was something you could play over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I love that I've been trying to get, I like we talked about this offline before we start, I've been trying to get our friends to commit to a game since we all went into lockdown and our friends are not good. <laughs> we love all of our friends, but. We love all of our friends, but trying to get everybody's schedules to coincide on a weekly or biweekly basis is not the best. Yeah. But yeah, whew, that was a ride. That, that was. was a ride. That and was... uh, not going to get any way better because like, next week yeah. is helpless. Next, Yeah, yeah. Next week we're, whew. Talk about how old white men ruined everything. Fucking Travers. I hate Travers. Oh. But yes, that's it for this week. Uh, like we said, next week we're going to do helpless. Until then, check out all our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye! Bye!